Welcome to the On Your Left podcast, the politics podcast that's probably to your left. My name is Katrina Ames, and I use she-them pronouns. And I'm Nirali Shet. I use she-her pronouns. We are in your podcast feeds every Wednesday, so be sure to hit the follow button uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Tell all your friends to hit the follow button wherever they get their podcasts. Um, we're a great time, which you know, because you're listening to us. So just just tell everyone. And if you want to help us produce this podcast, join our Patreon at patreon.com slash onyourleftpod. We would appreciate any financial help you are willing to give us. Yeah, there was a really great Twitter thread about like how $1 patrons are actually extremely valuable. And it's true. $1 patrons are amazing. Uh, We should probably get right into it. Um, This week, we're talking about Amy Coney Barrett, the news story that was really big and then you probably forgot about. So on September 18th, 2020, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg died at the age of 87, surrounded by family. And we did a whole episode eulogizing her and talking about her life a few weeks ago. And then a bunch of other news happened. So much news happened. Listen to our last episode. It's called What the Hell Week for a reason. Soon after, on December 26th, uh, President Donald Trump nominated Amy Coney Barrett to replace Justice Ginsburg on the Supreme Court. Yeah, not, not even 10 days later. It just happened so, so quickly. And I'm still mourning and, like, grieving her loss. And I did not even know her. Yeah, I can't imagine what this is like for people who knew her and her family and how difficult it is that her life and her her death was just like immediately politicized and forgotten about and it was a who will replace her not even 24 hours after she passed. It was like the obviously, like understandably it was a big question of who the hell will replace her, what's going to happen, who's going to get nominated, are we going to wait till after the election, blah, blah, blah. And then and then Amy Coney Barrett was nominated by President Trump, and that question was answered for us. I think sometimes it's easy to forget like what an impact Ruth Bader Ginsburg has had on the country. Um, but she is the first woman and the first Jewish person to ever lie in state. We do have an entire episode on Ruth Bader Ginsburg and her life and the impact she had. Um, But unfortunately, the president is forcing us to move on far too quickly. Um, So, yeah, we should discuss uh, who Amy Coney Barrett is and what her beliefs are and what she would bring to the Supreme Court, should she be confirmed? Fingers crossed, no. Judges aren't known for making big public statements usually. Um, so we Not are facing one. a lot of... <laughs> Oof. Most of them aren't. Um, so most of what we have are her official writings um, and a few lectures that she gave on certain issues. But we're really going to focus on the dissents that she wrote and what she believes based on the official official documents she submitted to the public. Yeah, yeah, this isn't like a politician, like a sitting senator who has 
beliefs that they have to campaign about and talk about all the time in addition to a track record of the way they voted. There is just what she has written for the cases she has presided over. So, just like how we started this entire podcast, let's start with abortion. Let's do it. In one case, her court let stand a ruling that threw out a law tightening the requirements uh, for notifying the parents of minors seeking abortions. So Judge Barrett was on the losing side of this battle, joining an opinion that the ruling was premature and that the law should have been allowed to go into effect uh, to assess its actual impact, meaning that uh, young people who were seeking abortions would be forced to uh, notify their parents um, or the abortion clinics would be forced to notify the parents, which could potentially endanger the child. It's unfortunate to say this, but I've met people who have been abused by their parents, uh, and that is wrong and a lot of the things that the people I know did as soon as they could was to stop their parents from accessing information about them. And that definitely includes their medical history. Mm-hmm. Um, because abuse is about power. And medical history is supposed to be kept private. That The whole thing in Roe versus Wade is that you shouldn't have to get someone else's permission to get an abortion, and your medical decisions should be private and kept between you and your doctor. Yeah. Like, even when I was a teenager, um, all those years ago now, um, I remember going to the pediatrician, and uh, the pediatrician, when asking about my sexual history and things, would send my mother out before discussing sensitive topics because my doctor knew that I had a right to privacy about those things. And a lot of doctors absolutely do that, Mm -hmm. Um, especially pediatricians, because they know that their children that they are treating may not be honest with them if their parents are in the room. Mm -hmm. Um, But they still could need medical help making the best possible decisions for their bodies and their lives. And you need to be honest with your doctors in order for that to happen. And you can't if you're afraid that you will be punished for the choices you've made or for things that have happened to you. Exactly. Even children have a right to privacy, especially where medical history is concerned. And abortion is part of that, regardless of how you feel about abortions. Yeah. And this also kind of relates to... um, a pretty popular case, uh, Planned Parenthood v. Casey, which is about, which, which ruled that you can't place an undue burden on patients who would seek abortions. And I think it's fair to assess whether something would be a burden before it goes into effect, because we know what things are, what is likely to happen. Uh, Even before things happen. Yeah, so... We live in a society. Yeah, so what Judge Barrett wanted was for this law to go into effect to see what happened to 
minors seeking abortions, you know, just endangering their lives. Luckily, that didn't happen. (laughs) And she was on the losing side. Amy Coney Barrett dissented to a denial of a hearing that was brought up by Planned Parenthood of Indiana, a case in which a three-judge panel of the Seventh Circuit voted against regulating the disposal of fetal remains after an abortion or miscarriage, holding that the eugenic statute was unconstitutional because fetal remains are not the remains of a person. This law would have made it so that um, you would have to bury fetal remains from an abortion or miscarriage, regardless of when it happened. Um, And the court ruled that this was an irrational law because um, they aren't people uh, legally and Mm -hmm. within the scope of due process. It just was irrational to treat remains like they were the remains of full people. This is also could be incredibly traumatic uh, to force people to do after they have a miscarriage and some people might choose to do it um, as part of the grieving process, but a lot of people might not want to. And it's weird that we had would have put up a law against that. Yeah, it's forcing them to. Yeah, it's forcing someone to to perform funeral rites on some on a fetus that that they either did not want or really wanted and lost. Yeah. Yep. Which is horrifying either way. Um, also, most abortions happen within the first trimester, from what I understand. Correct me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that is accurate. Yeah. Um, how do you even bury that? It's a cluster yeah. of cells at that point. I, it's just, it's a lot. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, and there are, like, a lot of different kinds of, like, miscarriages that happen, like, at various stages of a pregnancy. So, like, that that funerary process would look very different losing your your fetus at the beginning of a pregnancy versus like close to the end and it's just it's just horrifying that you would try to regulate that ah <laughs> it mostly just feels like a thing that the government shouldn't be involved in yeah um and Although the focus right now is on uh, abortion and reproductive rights, people don't choose to have miscarriages. And uh, in my experience, unless somebody seeks, uh, talks to you about their miscarriage because they want support from you, you should stay out of their business. Yeah, most people... I don't advertise their miscarriages. Just saying. Um, also, yeah, I, I, uh, I hate this so much. I hate, like, I don't know. Also, it feels like forcing religion onto a 
of person a little bit. Because my funeral rites look very different from a Christian's funeral rites. So, I'm just saying. Are you going to start regulating that now? I mean, there's also the fact that not every religion... uh, Although a lot of Christians believe that, you know, life starts at conception. um, And you are a person when you are in the womb. That is not a thing that applies to every religious belief. Or even all Christians. Yeah. And you should just... It's a messy situation to be in. And I'm sure this was a really hard case for everyone that had to hear it and be involved in it. Um, but yeah, I think, I think this is just a thing that the government doesn't need to get involved in. Yeah. Let's stop talking about funerals. <laughs> yeah, instead of talking about reproductive healthcare, let's just talk about regular healthcare. Yeah. Which is, I guess, also reproductive healthcare, but let's talk about it more generally. Let's, let's go beyond the uterus, expand to the rest of the human body. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, so we've actually already talked about the fact that the Supreme Court is scheduled to hear a case about the Affordable Care Act just a week after the election, um, possibly before the actual election results are in, because we don't really know how long it is going to take to count everyone's vote by mail ballots. Literally, Everything about this year is unprecedented, and this probably will be too. Amy Coney Barrett's position on the Affordable Care Act uh, was clarified um, in in 2017. So uh, in a law review article she wrote then, so this is before she joined the appeals court, um, Judge Barrett was critical of Chief Justice Roberts' 2012 opinion um, that sustained a central provision of the healthcare law. Um, this is a quote. Uh, Chief Justice Roberts pushed the Affordable Care Act beyond its plausible meaning to save the statute. Um, so she believes, according to this article that she wrote in 2017, only three years ago, that the Affordable Care Act went too far. That it should have been struck down as unconstitutional, which I don't think that it is. Um, I don't think the Affordable Care Act is unconstitutional, and neither did the Supreme Court in 2012. But we can assume, uh, based on what she has said and the court case that is coming through, that if Amy Coney Barrett were to be a part of the Supreme Court when the new case is being heard, in November, just days after the election, that she would probably vote to strike it down. So, yeah, this is a lot of ifs. It's like, if Amy Coney Barrett gets confirmed, um, she will most likely do this. But that's still too many... Too much bad can happen. Right now, I still think there's a chance that she has COVID-19, and, like, I just, you can only, you you go to one super spreader event, 
a few people that you hugged mm-hmm. got sick. Um, a few people on the Senate Judiciary Committee have tested positive for COVID-19. It just seems like a bad time to take away millions of people's health care. Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't that event being held in her honor? Yes. Yeah. The super yes, spreader event that gave all your favorite political people... <laughs> all your least... Favorite might be putting it strong. All your least favorite political people... Um, COVID-19 was held in honor of justice, not not justice, Judge Amy Coney Barrett, um, on her nomination. So, um, yeah, no one was wearing masks. How are, how are these people allowed to discuss healthcare if they're not even doing the bare minimum to protect themselves and other people? I don't know. So I am very much of the belief that laws should be created by experts. Um, and I think, you know, sometimes that means electing people like Cori Bush, a nurse, to go to Congress because she understands the healthcare system. Mm-hmm. I think that means nominating people like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez to work on workers' rights because she was a bartender and nobody gets treated worse than a bartender (laughs) like but I just don't think that people who don't wear masks who like eat together with people of different households who hug people in different households who go to events with so many people should be allowed to make health regulations. Like, they're, they're just doing a bad job. Yeah, I completely agree. I just, I, I went outside today for a grand total of 15 minutes to walk to my local pizza parlor and get myself some dinner and walk back home. And it, it wasn't very difficult for me to wear a mask and do that. I don't understand why. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get it. I just don't. Amy Coney Barrett, from what we've seen, she'll probably vote to strike down the Affordable Care Act. A lot of senators voted not to stop the lawsuit that is suing the Affordable Care Act during a pandemic, questioning its constitutionality, and have basically let are letting the court decide whether over 20 million people can continue to have health care during a pandemic. And I think they're bad people. Yeah. Like, if you're listening to this, you know someone who has been sick. Like, you just do. Which means they needed health care. And more people are going to get sick because that's just America right now. And they need health care. And you need health care. And they want to take that away right now. It's just wrong. There's too much at risk for this woman to speed through Senate trials to get confirmed in order to vote against the Affordable Care Act. So speaking of another uh, pandemic that is raging our nation, guns. I think guns might just be... It's a, just an epidemic. Yeah, 
other countries don't Epi- have this problem. A, yeah, it's just it's just an epidemic because it's only us. So in a 2019 dissent, Judge Barrett said that she would have limited the sweep of a federal law forbidding people with felony convictions from owning guns. And you might be asking, well, what is a felony? And the answer is, it depends on what state you live in. For, for some states, just having possession of marijuana yep. is a felony. But in most states, murdering someone is a felony. I, I don't know this for sure, but I think it's safe to say in all 50 United States... And the territories that we own because colonialism, it's a felony to murder someone, unless you're a cop. Um. And, you know, there are some felonies that are more common than others. A lot of the times when we think of felons, we think of murderers, rapists, burglars, kidnappers, arsonists. But, like, the most common felonies are drug abuse violations, um, driving under the influence, um, assault, disorderly conduct, property crimes, like uh, stealing a car, burglary, arson, all in there. Public drunkenness is a is a common felony crime. Really? Just It is. It is. Public drunkenness. Um, Oof. Public drunk. It's up. It's common. It's common. Depending on the state, I've been publicly drunken. <laughs> You'd normally have to get very drunk for yeah. it to be uh, yeah. a felony. Also, um, like, I don't think I'm very disorderly when I get drunk, so. Yeah. That helps. Yep, and some of these crimes are punishable with prison time. Some of them have fines. Sometimes you get community service. Uh, but we generally consider felony to be a serious crime. We still have a lot of, like, criminal justice reform to do because in Florida, grand theft is a felony. It is the unlawful taking of property valued at $300 or more. Wait, 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 hang on, sorry. Um, Amy Coney Barrett, this, I, I just went to Twitter and it's trending, but it said earlier today, did she die? No, no, no. She Did she get COVID? No. No, it's uh, about abortion. Um she initially failed to sign to disclose and disclose anti-abortion talks and the signing of a right to life ad. So she This is what happens when we record on Saturdays. She signed an advertisement against Roe v. Wade. Cool. Cool. <laughs> We didn't just finish talking about abortion. This is fine. This um, is fine. Thank goodness for my ADHD just, like, bringing me to Twitter as I, like, listen to you. <laughs> she she literally gave talks about Roe versus Wade. Undisclosed, unreported talks about how she is committed to an anti-choice agenda. Ma'am, I am just trying to make a podcast. Could this not have come out earlier? <laughs> yeah, it was just like, that's why I was like, wait, wait. <laughs> so I guess while we're here, uh, in Texas, 
Republican lawmakers have also, several times over the past few years, uh, tried to make abortion a felony. So, so like, when I say that Amy Coney Barrett mm-hmm. wants, is suspicious of a law that forbids people with felony convictions from owning guns, I do think that generally that's wrong because we should keep guns out of the hands of people who commit dangerous or violent crime. I also believe that we, as people, build a society that decides what felonies are and decides what crimes are. And not every felony is equally bad or evil or hurtful to other members of society. And also, you can't... An Amy, a court with Amy Coney Barrett on it could, in fact, not just take away the right to abortion and the right to reproductive health care, but actively criminalize it based on just how this country has been shifting rightward over the past decades. This is in line with the Republican Party that you shouldn't have an abortion, but you should have a gun. Do you think stopping felons from having guns treats felons as second-class citizens. Which I think is an argument that makes sense. I'm not saying it doesn't make sense. We just also believe that guns shouldn't be a thing that everyone has access to in general. Most people shouldn't have guns. It's complicated. Yeah. I feel like we got incredibly sidetracked. Yes, we did. Twitter always does this to us. (laughs) Um... (laughs) So I think we're just going to move on to a completely new topic. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's let's discuss immigration. Um, we have both talked before about how both of our parents, uh, well, one of my parents and both of your parents are immigrants, mm-hmm. and uh, immigration is a part of our family. We've also pretty recently talked about the public charge rule. Uh, in relation, in our disability episode, mm-hmm. and in our Asian episode recently. Yes. We we discussed a lot about immigration in the, in the Asian episode. Amy Coney Barrett said that she would have overturned a trial court ruling blocking the Trump administration's efforts to tighten the public charge rule, which, if you've been around with us and have listened to all of our episodes, which, by the way, thank you... Um, allows officials to deny permanent legal status, also known as a green card, to immigrants who are likely to need public assistance. This um, basically means that we would not be giving green cards to the poor or the disabled, uh, and also in some cases just the elderly, uh, because even though they are already in our country, they're already a part of our society, even though they might be on more temporary visas and not a permanent legal resident, uh, we would deny them the right to stay here and continue to build their home here because they might need help from us in the future. Yeah. Um, It took my aunt 10 years to get a green card after living here with her family and working. So it's not an easy thing. To get a green card. And they want to make it more difficult. To get a green card. 
and discriminate against people who have disabilities or who are elderly or who are poor. They want to codify discrimination into the immigration policy more than it already is. The reason we have government programs to protect the most vulnerable people in our society is because we believe in compassion and in protecting people and building a social safety net of various strengths and weaknesses, depending on where you fall in the political spectrum. Uh, But I've literally never met anyone in my entire life who thinks that my mom, who is a blind Asian immigrant, should never get government assistance of some kind. Mm -hmm. I've met people who absolutely hate everyone who is on food stamps. And then I tell them, well, my family has been on food stamps. Mm -hmm. And they will say, oh, well, that's different because your mom needs it. But everyone who needs it needs it. And you don't know the specific things going on in every person's life. I don't know. For people who say stuff like that and aren't like, in like aren't like don't like don't get food stamps or aren't working for the food stamps program doing things for them i'm just like what gives you the right to all of that information about another person's family so that you can make a judgment on whether or not they deserve this thing it's so invasive it's so invasive of people to just expect that information from you there are already several barriers to getting any form of public assistance. It's an incredibly difficult process, um, which once again, we talk more about in our disability episode, but the systems we put in place exist because we believe in helping people. It is a core belief, maybe not of our society, but it is a core belief of those programs. Mm -hmm. So either you believe in helping people, and think these programs should be available to those in need, or you don't. And you back a public charge rule to stop people who could one day be in need. And that could include you, because you don't know if you're going to get a disability or not. Anything can happen. Almost everyone I know was laid off in the past year. We do not know what's going to happen, or if we will become public charges. Also, yeah, if you're receiving unemployment, you are a public charge. Like, this all happened, and... I think now it's safe to say that everyone knows someone who's been on unemployment before. Yeah. It's touched all of our communities by now. If someone if someone is for this rule going against public charges, discriminating against, discriminating against people who could potentially become public charges, they are going against their own self-interest at this point and the self and the interests of the people that they love. Let's talk more about how people are specifically going against us. Yeah, yeah. So, like, Amy Coney Barrett seems to have formed out of our worst nightmares specifically. Like, she she is against abortion and is anti-choice. She is against people having health care. She is for people having guns. She is against immigration. She is, or she is for discrimination within immigration, very specifically. And finally, 
She is against LGBTQ rights. <laughs> yep. It's the... It, it's not the trifecta. It's the pentafecta. There are five, right? That's five things we've, we're talking about. <laughs> and this isn't even all of her positions. These are just the ones that I'm seeing in the news a lot. Yeah. Let's start with the thing that will get the white gays interested. So Amy Coney Barrett <laughs> defended the Supreme Court dissenters on the landmark marriage equality case of Obergefell v. Hodges. Yeah, this stopped all state laws that uh, banned same-sex marriage. It's great. I'm a fan. If I ever get married, it will be most likely to another woman. So, um, I like this. Uh, I like Obergefell versus Hodges. Um, and I'm sure some of you do too. It is, um, very important for a lot of reasons, especially because, like, marriage in this country affects your taxes. It affects, like, healthcare. It affects everything. Marriage is incredibly intimate as a, like, personal relationship thing, but it's also the way that we organize our society a lot of the time in a legal sense, mm -hmm. um, and ensuring that everybody who is married has the same rights is important. Um, and to quote Amy Coney Barrett's mayor, because she, well, former mayor, because she lives in South Bend, Indiana... <laughs> The legitimacy of Pete Buttigieg's and Chasa Buttigieg's marriage was decided by one vote on the Supreme Court. Oberfell v. Hodges was a 5-4 decision. And having someone that agreed with the dissenters completely shifts that balance. And I don't know, and I don't want to know what a world looks like when people's marriages are suddenly invalid yeah if they're suddenly nullified um yeah if we get another cake lady another like wedding cake lady or something like amy coney barrett's gonna sign side with the person who didn't want to make a wedding cake for a gay marriage like that's a thing i there are so much there is so much fighting we need to do to achieve LGBT rights. There is so much that we made four of our, like, 22 episodes just on queer rights. Yeah. And I don't have time to go backwards. I have other stuff to figure out. It's like, I... Like, so many people have fought for our behalves, and to go backwards would be a slap in the face to them. Um, so many people literally died in the AIDS epidemic for us. Like, There's that happened. That and happened. Yeah. We, we need to make sure that we keep moving forward. And if somehow she gets confirmed, we need to make sure we are going to fight just as hard as everyone else before us. Also, I don't know, I think the state 
deciding to nullify a bunch of people's marriages and declare same-sex marriages illegitimate kind of messes with the sanctity of marriage. I just, I think it destroys that. Yeah, I find it interesting, though, like, because Republicans are very much against government being in your business. And this would be the government. If I got married tomorrow to a woman and then the day after they were like, so, yeah, gay marriage is not a thing anymore. The government would be coming into my business to say, no, you can't. You're not married anymore. So um, there is a Republican Republican argument going against Republican beliefs of being anti-gay marriage. Did that make sense? There were a lot of negatives in there. It makes sense. It makes sense. Um, I think the belief in a small government that is unintrusive is a belief that also carries over to LGBTQ rights and to abortion rights and to so many other things. But I think there's also this conflict with their ideal of, you know, traditional values that they think allows, that allows people to kind of supersede that limited small government. And I disagree. It's, it's the Christianization of the right that has made it so that they believe the government should be involved if you want to get an abortion, and they believe the government should be involved if you want to get gay married. We know that if we were to go backwards, if we were to dismantle LGBTQ plus rights, we would start with attacks on trans people. We're already seeing that happen. When you are trying to invalidate an entire group, you go over, you go after the most vulnerable people first, and then you steadily grow your attack to affect more people. It is a, first of all, a good strategy. It's uh, very common, um, but also it will build public support if you can attack the most vulnerable people first, because we don't yeah. care about vulnerable people. And yeah, I feel like not enough people know enough about trans people in the general public to understand why she is so harmful, why Amy Coney Barrett is so harmful to trans rights. Amy Coney Barrett claims that Title IX protections cannot extend to trans Americans because it's a strain on the text of the of Title IX um, to reach that interpretation. So Title IX, if you don't know, um, is a lot about equal rights between the genders. I'm just going to read a little bit of it. Mm -hmm. No person in the United States shall, on the basis of sex, be excluded from participation in, be denied the benefits of, or be subjected to discrimination under any education program or activity receiving federal financial assistance. This law was basically introduced to protect cis women. Um, and yeah. although now there is an interpretation where 
when they say sex, they mean gender because that sex isn't even a word that we use to describe gender outside of a medical context usually anymore. It's yeah. um, And Amy Coney Barrett says that ensuring that Title IX protections, which s- protects people from discrimination, shouldn't extend to trans people because it's putting too much work on that effort. And in some ways, I agree. I think we should pass the Equality Act. Yeah. But until then, Um, we should protect people from discrimination because discrimination is wrong. Yeah, because it doesn't specifically say men and women. It It just says on the basis of sex. There's actually a lot of room for interpretation there. It's not as much of a strain as I act, I actually thought it was. Um, because it doesn't say between men and women. It doesn't say between the two sexes or between the two genders. It's, it just says on the basis of sex. Which could mean any sex or gender. Because I feel like those two words in this, in this specific case are interchangeable. I agree. So in that same speech... Um, Tony Barrett decided to misgender trans people because that's the thing people do referring to a trans woman as a physiological male, which is not necessarily true of trans women. Um, physiologically speaking, if they have undergone treatment of any sort, um, they don't bear similarities to cis men physiologically. So that's just not true. Um, while she, and, and she did this while she cast out on trans rights, which is, yeah. Yeah, that's just not true. Like, the physiological male thing is just... And look, this, this speech was from 2016. And in a lot of ways, since 2016, more people have learned about trans rights and trans people and have really evolved on this issue and grown when presented with new information. Amy Coney Barrett has not shown that she has grown on this issue of human rights. So I, uh, I'm, it's a little yeah. bit suspicious. So she's wrong. Uh, She's wrong from a medical perspective a lot of the time. Uh, Mm. But also denying people human rights is wrong. That's not cool. Uh, And uh, trans women are women. Trans men are men. Non-binary people are non-binary. And if she could... I would personally... uh, I wouldn't love Amy Coney Barrett on the Supreme Court, but... If she could show that she had grown on any of the issues we discussed today, that'd be great. I'd feel a little bit more comfortable. And yeah, I mean, most urgently, most urgently healthcare. But if I felt Um. comfortable, if Amy Coney Barrett could like real quickly make a lot of America comfortable with her, I think that would really help her get nominated to the Supreme Court. So like not to offer her advice but if she could stop being like a trending topic on twitter for failing to disclose her views that'd be great 
That would be wonderful. Yeah, I cannot believe that during the recording of this podcast, we discover that she just decided not to talk about those times she lectured against Roe v. Wade. Or signed on to ads against it. Like, how Ads. Paid advertising. Usually the breaking news happens after we're done recording. Yeah. Then not even giving us the common courtesy of that. Yeah. By the way, we are recording on Saturday, October 10th. So um, if anything happens after this... Um... Cool. Yeah. Great. We'll cool. talk about it next week. So what can we do, Katrina? Okay. Same ask we've had for the past few weeks. Please call your senators and ask them to follow the precedent set in 2016 of waiting until after the next presidential inauguration to confirm a new Supreme Court justice. Another thing you can do is vote. Um, You know this already. We've discussed this every single week, but we have less than a month till uh, the election, till November 3rd. Um, If you haven't voted already, do. Please, if you're mailing in your ballot, check the back of the ballot for any questions you may have missed before mailing it out. People missed the marijuana question in New Jersey because it's on the back of the absentee ballot. Yep. You're going to want to read the so. whole thing. Yeah. When this episode um, posts, the election is, will be less than three weeks away. So uh, please make sure you have a plan to vote. Please talk to your friends and family to make sure they vote. Uh, I texted my brother today to make sure that he updated his voter registration since he recently moved. He did. Thanks. Good job. There are things we can do. There are people that maybe you're not thinking about yet that maybe doesn't have a plan yet or isn't sure what they're going to do or forgot to update their voter registration if they recently changed their name because they're trans or got married or if they moved because, honestly, who hasn't moved? I mean... (laughs) There was a mass exodus out of New York City. Someone moved. Yep. Yep. Um, So, yes, please do all the things. Um, If you can, phone bank for someone or um, text bank or tell your friends, um, hey, I really like this candidate. Maybe you should vote for them. One thing we started doing last week is um, our friend... Taylor Banky uh, has been hosting live streams on YouTube at youtube.com slash itsradishtime on Sundays to phone bank for state legislator campaigns. And it is, first of all, super hard for down-ballot races to get volunteers, and that's difficult. But also, I really miss phone banking with other people, and it felt really good when I could just join for 15 minutes last week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was really nice. Yeah, we, like, turned off recording the pod and then went straight to the phone bank session. <laughs> Nerds. <laughs> Without telling each other that we were doing that. No, we did not talk about it. We just both decided to independently. Yeah, um, yeah, and it was really nice to, like, be in the chat, like, talking about, like, the people we were talking to. And if someone had a success story of, like, convincing someone to vote for the candidate, it was really lovely to hear um, because I didn't get to talk to anyone <laughs> yeah. while phone banking. Um, and also it's really nice for people who have like phone anxiety to like 
do that with other people. Our personal choice, uh, if you're going to volunteer for someone in the next week, uh, is to volunteer for Jamie Harrison, who is running for Senate in South Carolina. Uh, Nirali, why, why should we volunteer for Jamie Harrison? Um, because uh, the senator Jamie Harrison is running against is Senator Lindsey Graham, who um, refused to take a COVID-19 test when he was at the super spreader event that everyone got COVID from. Um, And he refused to take the COVID-19 test and then called Jamie Harrison some names because Jamie Harrison refused to get on a debate stage with him because he didn't know whether his opponent had COVID-19. Their Senate debate got canceled, not just by Jamie Harrison, but by the people running the debate Mm -hmm. because he failed to take a COVID test. It has been exceedingly easy for all of these senators to get COVID tests. Much easier than for us lay people. So much easier. And like, I get that they're the leaders of our country, but it's, seems so much easier for them to get it and he's just refusing to check to see if he has a deadly disease personally i would want to know yeah okay i do want to talk a little bit about jamie harrison's specific policies that because would be great more than voting against someone which you should you should vote against lindsey graham because lindsey graham is terrible um and flip-flopped on Nominating people to the Supreme Court in an election year. Um, (laughs) Speaking of, um, Jamie Harrison uh, wants to invest in public schools. He wants to end the student loan crisis. He wants to reduce dependency on fossil fuels. He opposes offshore drilling. Um, He champions paid family leave and sick leave and child care tax credits. Great stuff. He wants to improve access to health care for poor and rural communities. Um, he doesn't believe uh, Medicaid recipients should have work requirements. Um, let's see what else is there. Yeah. Jamie Harrison has a really great agenda, and it's not yeah. the most progressive agenda, but I think it is no. perfect for the specific challenges and the electorate of South Carolina. Yeah, so if you are a South Carolinian or know a South Carolinian, vote for Jamie Harrison or tell them to vote for Jamie Harrison. He seems great and um, he's not Lindsey Graham. Not Lindsey Graham. He he wants to protect healthcare coverage for people with pre-existing conditions. He wants to grow the middle class. He cares about people. Which feels like such a low bar, but this is where we're at. We need people in office that care about other people. Please vote or volunteer for Jamie Harrison. If if Lindsey Graham cared about other people, he would have gotten a COVID-19 test and stayed home. Um, he hasn't done either of those things. So also call Senator Graham's office. Call all of his offices. Tell him to stay home and get a COVID-19 test. Uh, We talked a few weeks ago about being annoying um, and how the more annoying you are, the more they listen. Do that. Yep. South Carolinians, this is specifically your job. Your senator should have taken a COVID-19 test. All of his friends have COVID-19. All of his co-workers are getting COVID-19. And if he has it, Mm -hmm. he should stay home and recover. 
Like, yeah. I don't want him to die. And him not taking the test doesn't make him less likely to die. Yeah, Chris Christie is in his second week in a hospital with COVID-19. Like, once again, it's a serious, serious illness. Yeah, he shouldn't be trying to spread it to others, and he shouldn't be outdoors. And he should probably know whether or not he has it. So let's talk about some good news. Yeah, good things. The serious good news first. Um, so Twitter, uh, which um, I am addicted to, uh, has released a new policy uh, for uh, the election, and it's surprisingly good for a social media company. Um, let's see. Users, including political candidates, are prohibited from claiming an election win before it's authoritatively called. Um, and the platform requires that authority is an announcement from state election officials or a public projection from at least two authoritative national news outlets uh, that make independent election calls. So like NBC, if NBC News and ABC News both called an election, you know. Um, so that means no one can be like, this person won when they haven't yet, uh, when that hasn't been determined yet. So they don't want people to lie. Um, and tweets that fail to meet that criteria, so tweets that are lying about that, will be flagged, and those users will be brought to Twitter's official U.S. election page. I'm sure they have a pretty little page with all of the results. Um, they will also remove tweets that encourage violence or call for people to interfere with election results or the smooth operation of polling places. So that includes that. So that's just voter suppression. It's, it's, it's Twitter putting its foot down and saying, we will not tolerate voter suppression on our platform. Um, and, um, while Twitter was already slapping, uh, warning labels on tweets that had misinformation um, of about elections or about coronavirus. Um, there will now be new prompts and more warnings on misleading posts beginning next week. So this week, as you're listening to this, um, people who want to retweet a post that has been labeled as misleading will be prompted to seek credible information on the topic. Um and also, they will not algorithmically recommend tweets. Um, I also think what Twitter is doing is really great because it came shortly after the announcement that Facebook would be banning political ads after November 3rd, um, which, first of all, is a toothless policy because if you're still accepting all of the money that you're getting right now, that's mm -hmm. you're not losing anything. Facebook might be losing out on money if there's a runoff election or any future elections that take place. Uh, but but also, who's to say Facebook won't change their policy back? Yeah, they absolutely it's could. Facebook. It's Facebook. It's, these are just policies put out by companies. They can change their mm -hmm. minds whenever they want. Um, but also, Twitter appears to be working really hard to stop organic misinformation. And that's not really what happens on Facebook. It's not what happens on Facebook ads. People posting lies happens on Facebook. 
uh, people linking to sources that aren't credible and are just filled with conspiracy theories happens on Facebook and on Twitter. The ads aren't really the problem for either business. The organic spread of misinformation from people not knowing what a credible source is, uh, how to check their sources, how to fact check things, is a much, much bigger problem on both of these platforms than ads are. Yeah, I highly recommend checking out Crash Course Media Literacy if you um, want to be one of the people that does understand um, credible sources and uh, figuring out what's in misinformation and what's propaganda and what isn't. Um, what's our other good news, Katrina? Okay, so this is good news about something that didn't happen. Yeah, it's good that it didn't It's happen. Yeah, it's good that it didn't happen. <laughs> so, President Donald Trump was recently in the hospital in the Walter Reed National Military Medical Center. Uh, they have a presidential suite, specifically for if the president were to fall ill, need surgery, get shot literally anything. That's where you take the president if it happens in D.C. But uh, President Trump kind of floated an idea to uh, surprise everyone by when he left the hospital to appear physically weak to everyone uh, to play up the fact that he was sick and then rip open a button-down dress shirt to reveal the Superman logo <laughs> on a t-shirt underneath it, according <laughs> to recent reporting from the New York Times. <laughs> this is an idea that a sitting president of the United States had. And look, I'm not saying it's a bad idea. It's a weird idea. It's a weird idea. But, like, I mean, I've met people who have done this. Like, I, I know people who were cancer patients who did that when they, like, left chemotherapy for the last time. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's not a bad idea. It's a weird idea uh, from Donald Trump because Superman is a character who is an undocumented immigrant who came here as a minor seeking asylum. And this character was created by... Jewish people. Mm-hmm. And, um... Look, I just... I think Donald Trump would have called Krypton a shithole planet. I firmly believe that. Oh, yeah. 100%. Um, yeah. Um, I don't think, uh... Clark Kent, um... And his whole truth, justice... And the American way thing um, is in line with uh, Donald Trump's lies, injustice, and the American way thing. Uh, the Superman comics have consistently throughout the years uh, made Clark Kent and Superman characters that fought for racial justice, that stood up to sexism, that tried their best to always do the right thing in any and every circumstance. Superman might be someone who has unbelievable powers and is, for the most part, a lawful good or a neutral good character. 
But the thing about Superman is that he tries always to do what he thinks is the right thing to do, regardless of what anyone else tells him. And Donald Trump yes. doesn't. And, and Superman is an investigative journalist. Right? This man hates journalism. <laughs> like, Clark Kent is a journalist. Like, I just... He's an immigrant journalist. Asylum seeker. Alien. Literal alien. I, like, I'm glad this didn't happen because, frankly, I feel insulted that it was even an idea that he had. Yeah. But I also feel like somebody, some nerd on one of those calls in the rooms went, Hey, I don't think this sends the message you wanted to send. Yeah. Like, I don't think you've ever read a Superman comic or watched a Superman movie if... So, do you want to, do you want to talk about our mango fact of the day? Yes. Okay. So this mango fact is just a small, happy thing. It might be an annual mango fact from here on out. <laughs> if we are still doing this in October of 2021, yeah. Australian mango season is here. I woohoo! Their Australia's mango season uh, really kicks into gear in October, and they harvest like hundreds of thousands of like fruit of mango fruit in late October. Mango season. Mango season. Yeah. Yeah, because seasons are backwards there, right? So while it's becoming winter here, it's becoming summer there. Yeah. So, yeah, that makes sense. But I'm very happy for the Australians. I hope they enjoy their mangoes. A fresh mango is just real nice. If you want to find me on the internet, I am at Katrina Ames on YouTube, Twitter, TikTok, and Twitch. Where can we find you, Norali? You can find me at Firewood Sparkler on Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch. And also, uh, you can find both of us in a video by Teo Evans, aka The Letter 15. That was very, very good. It was really good. I it learned was a, a lot. Good video. Mm-hmm. Um, and we will share that on our Twitter for the podcast, which is just at On Your Left Pod on Twitter. Okay, so if you would like to support the podcast, obviously um, hit follow, uh, listen, and tell all your friends about us. But also you can um, support us financially by heading on over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash onyourleftpod. Um, it would help us out a ton. Uh, even $1 means the world to us. We really appreciate you, and thank you so much for listening to this episode of On Your Left, all about Amy Coney Barrett.